hello, hello, 24. Hello and welcome to Let's Create, Let's Talk. And the first, first guest for 2024. Yes, Let's Create, Let's Talk, he's off. We've already had an in-between episode. If you don't know what that is and this is the first time you've listened to this podcast, just click on the links, go down below, go to my website at mallyphotography.co.uk forward slash podcast and have a look at all the past guests I've had on the show so far. It's been a hell of a ride, and this start to the year ain't gonna stop. The ride is just gonna keep on motoring down the road. Here we go. We're off with a fantastically talented, wonderful. Ah, oh, it started. Do you want me to give you a bit of backstory? Here we go. Scotland, 2023, Inverness. My good friend Lynn said, Come on, it's the last day. It was the last day of us being together. And, uh, yeah, we'd been putting together ideas. We'd been getting my residential workshop, the birth of this idea. And inspiration was needed. And we went to Inverness. And we went to a gallery, Brown's Gallery, to be precise. Walked in. Wow. Beautiful. What a place. What an area. What a space. A massive grand piano in the middle of the room. Surrounded by these... Oh, how can I say? Just inviting, inspiring, mind expanding, uh, eye candy of artwork by this individual who we're talking to tonight. I just had to reach out and ask him, would he come on the podcast? And he agreed. Wow, what an honour. His work from Hiratopia, the third pole, Gingers, that's a good one. Border Patrol, fascinating from lockdown. The Bats of Kasanka. <laughs> yeah, not my, my northern accent there again in the way. Seabird cities and so on and so on. And the land of the Scots. And then the exhibition that I got to see. The um, unique exhibition, shall we say. I'm not going to talk too much more about it because we really get into it. And I'll let... Kieran Dodds explain everything about the exhibition, about what he's doing, where he's going, where he's been, and I hope you enjoy this podcast. Thank you for lending me your ears. Press big button. Hi. Hey. Well, hey. Hey. <laughs> it's recording. There's no warm-up. We're straight. No, we're straight in because <laughs> that's the best way. There's very relaxed, no Coming nerves or nothing. <laughs> you, you notice though not everyone notices the secret recording from the off so it's because a woman's voice came up and said you're now recording ah. and I thought, that doesn't sound like you <laughs> it wasn't, it wasn't a, a deep northern accent it was like uh yeah some robotic american lady maybe that's your other persona no only on a sunday <laughs> how are you oh. doing yeah doing all right thanks um, God. it's kind of evenings aren't like mentally the best because I'm just quite tired from the day um, yeah. but this That's is cool. yeah, I've got a cup of tea and I'm up for chatting about things and you've got a nice picture of trees to cup soothe you've got a big cup of tea um, mentally not right never am at this time of night yeah. you've got it's two hilarious. two girls haven't you yeah seven year olds I've got two girls one has turned nine today oh happy birthday sorry 
They've just <laughs> Muash just shouted she's 10. <laughs> <laughs> the one that said mentally uh, not not there you go. It's been yeah, a tough it's, it's been a tough day. So I, I'm <laughs> I'm with you. I'm with you. I like where you are. Just give the ladies and gentlemen a bit of background. We've got a lovely workbench behind Kieran here and some yeah. of a collection of books to the left. And by the way, you you know who you t- we're talking to because I love give you a big warm up, a big big introduction. So I'll uh, I'll big let, audience. yeah. But while while we're at it, let the ladies and gentlemen know a little bit about Kieran Dodds. Where am I? Where am I? Yeah, you're right. The view I've realised the view from my Zoom is not the best view. The best view is what I look at. Now, I know that's the wrong way round in the world. You should always be showing the audience the best view, so they say. But I, I'm looking at, I've just rearranged the office, all these books um, that oh, I wow. like to read. And they are always the basis of my work now. It's the reading and the stories and the ideas come to me from that. Um, I could give you, I could flick around on the camera. Oh, it's not, it's not like the great li- library of Alexandria or anything. But, oh, <laughs> can't, the wire's not going to stretch. Come on. So basically, yeah, so oh. I've got all the books above me. A small library. I've got a Tempin bowling trophy from when I was uh, 11, which I just found the other day. And um, then over there, we've got the cutting mat. The for cut- the oh, weaves. That's where the magic happens. But this is just this is just a big kit bag. It's a glorified kit bag, my office. Yeah. Um, or studio in the back of the garden. Yes. Uh, although it's become more and more important for the photo weaves, which we maybe talk about. But who am I? Um, so I'm a photographer. I call myself a non-fiction photographer now. I'm fascinated by that title. <laughs> go, go on, go on. Because, well, my background, or I started off in photojournalism. That was my passion. That's what I love. Yeah. And I've worked in that for many years. Uh, first as staff at the Herald in Glasgow. Uh, and then I went freelance. I won a World Press Photo Award for some photos of bats. Um, my background is in zoology. My degree is in zoology. Um, and so then I went freelance to pursue these kind of environmental stories rather than just daily press. But then I worked for lots of news agencies um, like AFP, do stuff in the New York Times, have done for years. Um, but more and more I was finding I was my work was more moving towards a gallery space. And I thought, well, photojournalism, uh, some people didn't understand what that meant even. Um, but I felt this this Dutch editor I've worked with a few times, uh, Mark Proust, um, said he'd heard of people being called non-fiction yeah. uh, or, or talking about photography as non-fiction. And I just think it's quite a good title. It's it, a seems good quite, t- it seems quite pretentious if you've not heard it before. <laughs> I'm glad you like it. Um, but but it's like, it's it's much easier, isn't it? Because instead of saying photojournalism, you talk about is you know, truth and reality. Like, yeah, yeah. Reality. Yeah. Whereas non-fiction, you know what a non-fiction book is? Yeah. You can go to a a bookshop and you're like right that pertains to what is out there it's factual but also it's um it can be narrative and so i, I just thought it's quite a, if, if you have because whenever you see you're a photographer there's always oh what kind do you do weddings yeah and, <laughs> and so you have to always clarify and i have done weddings for friends in the past i've never retired from that but it was i find i find like conflict zones are like we're, we're sort of less stressful than a wedding um but it's it's yeah, it's it's just a, a useful catch-all, I think, term now. But no one really comments on it. I don't know if they just. It was the first it. thing I saw when I went on your website, which when they'd come back from Inverness. Yes. Uh, I went on. I I found you obviously as you do. You go on that. Oh, how do I? Guess who's interrupting us here? 
Oh, 10 year olds. Neil James. No. He's actually doing the voice of God in, in Liverpool at the moment. Is he? <laughs> yeah. On the panto. But for no, Was no, it? no, for uh, for <laughs> like a corporate thing. But right. he's just mess- I'm gonna have to tell him to bugger off. Hold yeah. on. Let me, oh, sh- Neil. let me shut this. Audio bombing. Live, live bit of time. Just on to because it was, it was, it was because of Neil. Yeah, it was strange how things happened. Actually. Yeah, yeah. Let's um, just text him. Yeah, here we go. He, he's actually put because I've got your Facebook page open because okay. uh, because I've got a terrible memory. I was yeah. trying to think of the gallery and it was Brown's gallery. Brown's, and, Brown's, and yeah. yeah, yeah. Facebook. The, I, I really neglect that page. I really do. I'm. And it gets so little traction because of that. But yeah. I, yeah, it's got, I, I do update it with bits and bobs. But yeah, Brown's Gallery in Inverness. <clears throat> well, that's where, where, that's where it sparked for me because mm. I, I hadn't put, it's, it's strange, isn't it, when you meet someone in person, but I'd heard you on the podcast and I'd seen your Ginger's work. No, yeah. no, no, yeah. no, oh, no, oh. it wasn't. It was Ginger's, it was the other one I saw, um, the Church Forests. Uh, the house, the top, topery, the oh god! Oh, the head, the border patrol, the border, border yeah. patrol, border patrol. So it was border patrol. I was fascinated with because I've been, I've been getting yeah. a lot of Cafe Royale books and yeah. a lot, a, a lot of that style of photography. Yeah. And when, when I saw that, I was like, "This is fantastic!" Because good. it took me back to being like a BMXer. Ha! Huh. Bloody messaging me. Time and the place. So where, I'm gonna close that. Bye bye, Neil. So <laughs> yeah, um riding around on the bike and having a little Kodak camera with me. Yeah. And the streets where I lived at Holly Road and around Haydock and what have you. Mm-hmm. What you photographed was very much from I was mm-hmm. like, wow. Yeah. 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 It's funny, but, it sparked it sparked some nostalgia. Yes. People. Um mm. I mean it was yeah, that was lockdown. That was that was the, the depths yeah. I sank to. I spoke up in hedges. Yeah. But it, it really got me out and through and gave me my daily walk with a purpose. Yeah. And it was it was such a lovely thing to work on because you were stuck with your local patch. And I like that. Usually these constraints I agree. Yes. Create create more opportunity, but also add the narrative because it was a way of responding locally to this global thing, which a lot of people are photographing people through glass on the doors or whatever. Yeah. And I thought actually I'm I'm just gonna get like remove socially distanced, like take people out of it. Yeah. Um and the fact that I'd been about to go on a flight to LA that weekend and they closed the borders. And I thought about how we'd seen borders as something um foreboding and, and bad. You know, it's, it's meant mm. the world's meant to be open up and suddenly these borders were becoming uh something comforting to protect us from the outsider. Mm. And I thought, well, we've yeah. we've been self-isolating for for decades, for generations, um, in our suburban um paradise. So yeah, yeah. It, it worked quite nicely. And you can really see the personalities of people through their hedges and you their can. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I'm glad I'm glad you like the border. I mean, I need I've always thought about publishing that, but it's it's just a bit of time and yeah. um, money. And I think yeah. I will eventually. I think I think every photographer's got a picture of some hedge, some Hedge full of personality in a collection. You must. Yes. Well, it, what I get from it is an unkept a kept, or you get a real sense of of what's going on. 
you, you can learn mm. so much just by looking at someone's front garden. Yeah, 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 yeah exactly. <laughs> you can see the personality, yeah, and side by side the personalities yeah. and the, the sort of the passive aggr- or aggressive, aggressive cutting of hedges and where the line yeah. is between you and your neighbor and how, you know, good hedges make good neighbors. Maybe, this day. maybe you should go and, back and get the person now. The people get them stood at the front door. Yeah, like, there is like, something in that. Yeah, as well as like dogs, people look like they're hedges. Yeah. There, there could be something in that. But then I also what I find liberating was not having to speak to anyone. Yeah, yeah. And I think more and more <laughs> have become because uh, I enjoyed speaking to people as well. Don't get yeah. me wrong, yeah. um, but I think because it was just easier to just be able to go on my own with a little. I had an RX one, Sony RX one, ah, in yeah. my little pouch on my Stinky. bicycle. Yeah, yeah. And that was all I needed. I just sort of cycle around, see something, snap, off, off I yeah. go. There's no, there's no preparation. It's just, it's just the sort of free flowing um, enjoyment of photography. And I'd cycle for miles around empty streets. So I think the people thing. I did wonder about whether you go into the garden. That'd be the next step as we opened up. Um, but I just decided, um, yeah, it was quite nice just to be free of. It was great. Really enjoyed oh, good. it. Good. Yeah. So pleased. Yeah. And, and and the collections you've got from. Mm. Uh, gingers and uh, like, like even even the I don't even know what's going on there with the bats one that is the bats, yeah yeah that's that right it seems an outlier the bats as well yeah it's so it was I believe it was two thousand and five right um it's the biggest gathering of mammal mass on Earth but in fact it's not on Earth it's in the trees um and no one had documented it that was through my zoology professor he talked about it. Yeah, and I won the UK Picture Editors Awards Young Photographer of the Year. Gordon Brown gave me a check. Um, Gordon Brown, the Chancellor at the time, not Gordon yeah. Brown, the gallery owner in Inverness, same name. And he, so that money, I was then able to to go and do any story you want in the world. Oh, and, wow. I mean, what would you, if you were given a like oh. a check and it was like, what do you want to oh. do? I mean, it's interesting to think what would you actually do what would your listeners do if you someone said money is yeah. not an issue time is not an issue what are you going to do oh, wow. um and so i, I did bats. lots of things firing in my head and bats is not one of yeah them. but your background <laughs> with zoology and yeah. i can see the fascination yeah. in that and mass it, where did you go for that like that's in zambia so it's this time of year right and no, no one had documented it. And since then, it's appeared. So I think I saw it on, there's a new Disney Channel um, program with, um, what's his name? That young guy. And they, they were there. And there was another BBC thing recently. So And the BBC contacted me after it. Oh. And they put it in Life, um, the, the series a few years ago, Life. And it was used in that. They had the filming. They didn't use my pictures. Because <clears throat> it was, um, obviously, because it's a film. And but even Geo France this month have published the bats the same pictures. So even over this time, it's like it's still still going. Um, got a got a life because mm. people. I think the interesting thing about it is, and, and what I love about press, and have loved about it over the years, is you're forced to into a topic that you're not um, initially drawn to. And I mean, I was interested in bats. I'd, I'd been to sort of tropical forests during my degree I was thinking India and places like that yeah yeah and this so I went to Trinidad and Tobago yes. I'd been to Scotland to smaller bats but this was in Zambia in southern Africa and um they're just amazing there's there's such an important part of seed dispersal for trees like the forests in Africa depend yeah. on these fruit bats which yes. migrate for thousands of miles so they, they they're they kind of overlooked and unloved I mean there's no can you think of any popular cultural allusions to bats that are positive 
the sauna seeing in the dark that's my positive yeah right true true that's a positive yeah trait it's like a super power yeah it is is. but we do associate them with i will bite your neck (laughs) yeah and ebola and and even even batman was scared yeah that was his fear so that's a good one i haven't heard that yeah i mean yeah, sonar is a positive. But the the only reason why that is because I can't say I had a fascination. I I do love my wildlife, but I always I always uh, think of like when we were kids again and on the streets, and it, you know you get the late summer nights and the and the bats fly. They do the circuits around the housing estate, and you could stand there and they'd come straight round you. And I was that always fascinated me how close they would fly. You get the wind off the bats. Wow. There was quite a few. You know that, and we had a place called Crank. We've got a place called Crank Caverns, and it, it's an old uh, monk's run that goes underground to a place, Billings. So we're back in like Cromwell days where they hunted the Catholics. Oh. And so, and I've never studied the history. Me and Neil was on about history last night and how bad my history is. But then, surprisingly enough, I do remember things from. Yeah, yeah. And there was a massive colony of bats in there. Wow. Yeah. Guarding um, yeah. the monks. I don't know what's going on now, whether because they, they sealed parts of it up. It was ah, called right. the Mouser, and obviously, kids and what have you didn't want people going in because you had to, you had to go through like that this Mouser hole to get through into a massive cavern. The walls were coated with bat excrement, you know. Gosh, that's yeah. amazing! So you used to go in there. It wasn't locked. Yeah, yeah. Well, illegally, very young, like you know. <laughs> oh, squeeze through the Mouser. That's amazing. Yeah, I mean these these things are like in our neighborhoods and we don't yeah, yeah. It's just overlooked. Yeah, that's what got me when you said about local. I think yeah. for me, I, I personally have a, a fondness of discovering locally. Like brut- yeah. brutalist architecture in the yeah. town where I live. There's some fantastic examples of nineteen sixties, seventies concrete slab buildings mm-hmm. that are just so defined in lines and geometry. Yeah, I find fascinating. So to hear that you yeah. got so much from that, because ladies and gentlemen, Kieran's been all over the world, and some of the places you've been to, I look here and I think, how did you even, how did you even do that? You know, so like the third pole of yeah, incredible, yeah, incredible. Thank you. thank you. Yeah, I mean, I've been in Manchester as well. I've been in England. But yeah, going to Tibet was pretty exotic. And that actually, that was on the back of the bats, not literally, right. but um, <laughs> because because the bats, after I, I did the, I finished at the Evening Times where I was because the bats won the World Press Photo Award, which just yes. felt like insane. And then I thought, I'll go freelancing, pursue these stories. And this is the first story I decided to do uh, was to go to Tibet. It was actually, it was an invite from a guy down in England who'd in the 80s done a hovercraft expedition up the Yangtze and he had this um, connection with a village in a, a closed off area. It's in Sichuan province but it's like Cam, it's like traditional Tibet and it's it's pretty much untouched in ways that other parts of Tibet have been um, changed a lot because they are Tibetan and they've been you know, politically uh, yeah assimilated. Whereas this bit was very untouched and so I thought it's a very hot potato politically probably yeah one of the most um controversial political things in the world and i thought well i, I kind of want to understand why that is like you only ever see 
the politics, and I don't know what the landscape is like. What's the setting for this? Why, why are they? Um, why is there so much conflict? Mm-hmm. And so I just went on the first trip to try and understand that, yeah. and was blown away by the space. I mean, it is incredible, but also Huge. just that sense of being far, far away culturally. And yeah. um, I mean, we traveled for days to get to the place we went to. And I used the yak as a symbol. Um, and so the photos all generally have yaks or, I mean, Tibetan life depends on yaks. They used yeah. every part of the body. It was yak Yeah. Yeah. Which allowed, it was the fire, which then allowed them to um, stay warm and cook and, and, mm-hmm sort of colonize the the grasslands um and so that was that was 2007 i think and then i always wanted to go back and so i applied for a winston churchill travel fellowship which then allowed me to go back um in what was that 2012 um just when the olympics was on in london and we were in china so we got <laughs> none of the british we got all the chinese athletes like <laughs> and i was like what was that day it was like not manic Monday. It was like, if, what, what day was it? They were just winning so many medals, the Brits. Yeah, yeah, that's the one. Yeah. And I missed it all because yeah. it was all just Chinese. You know, China's <laughs> what this. And yeah. So anyway, it was it was an amazing place to go. And the second trip um, on Third Pool, that was the bigger, longer, like the whole summer out there, just traveling around, exploring. Because people haven't really, like, you're not allowed up there particularly. Yeah. Um, there's one place, actually. There's a picture. Um, uh, where is it? It's near the source of the Mekong because this is um, the Three Rivers Headwaters. River, river, yeah, yeah, the Meetup, yeah. Yeah, uh, so it's the, the Yangtze, the Yellow, and the Mekong. They're kind of pretty spread out still. It's the size of England and Wales, this nature reserve. Wow. It's pretty big. But near the Mekong source, we camped one night, and there's a road that goes from there south that if you follow the river down this gorge, yeah. it was afterwards somebody said that's China's Yosemite. And we'd, we'd consider going that way, but we went a different way. And it's like, we don't even know this exists. There's this yeah. incredible landscape uh, to be explored that you're not, you weren't allowed into. Um, and so it really was a privilege to get in there and to, to, to go around. But also that sense of like, what on earth do you photograph? If you were, imagine you were like from a, like China and you had to come to, to England and Wales to photograph it and show its greatest hits, you know? Mm-hmm. And you, you don't have any guidebooks or anyone has done anything before. I mean, how do you even how do you even do that? Yeah. Yeah. Um, but we tried. Yeah, I think that's great. Mm-hmm. I, I think not knowing and just doing that. Like there's an image where it's a, a statue's head decapitated. Yeah, in yeah, land. coming out the yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it just wow. That stopped yeah, that... me for a while looking at that, thinking it's like something off planet of the apes. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> Yeah, an ancient, an ancient civilization, the plateau. Yeah, yeah, that's yeah. right. And it looks like Scotland, though. I kept going around yes. thinking it looks like Scotland, but with this, yeah, the head rising out of the, the, the bog. I mean, that's a shrine to some goddess. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's all over the hillside. That's the thing. It, like being in Zambia, being in Ethiopia more recently, and um, and Tibet. That these are inhabited landscapes. We're yeah. so used to cleared landscapes, and in Tibet, it was the highland clearances are going on there. But we're so used to landscapes being barren and, and very few people wandering around. Whereas um, there, you'd be, you'd think you're miles from anywhere. And then suddenly a herdsman would come over the hill and be like, hello. Or some guy, <laughs> are they all on motorbikes? So some With motorbike would go over the hillside. Yeah. yeah, yeah, exactly. Or an apple, yeah, an apple cat. Uh, and it yeah. was that's what I loved about it. It was a, a sense of humans in the landscape 
Mm. Whereas we're so conditioned to see British landscapes as devoid of human impact, or at least we're very constrained in where we're, where we exist. That that in particular, I was fascinated by. Mm. I've just got a few things notes up here. Sony World Photography Awards and the amount you've done here. You know the bridge mm. projects to Bend and uh, is it here here Utopia? Hi, um, yeah, Hierotopia, Hierotopia, Hierotopia. Yeah, whatever. Yeah, uh, the church forests. What that's um, that's fast. That is incredible. So you had a bit of that at Browns. I think did you you talked about it actually. Yeah, yeah, because the aerials. Yeah, so Browns. Um, I mean, there's so much to say, but the Hierotopia, yeah, um, or ch- the church forests of Ethiopia. Again, most of my work considers interplay of environment and culture. So in Tibet, this is quite. You're you're working through it chronologically. I'm not. I'm just. I don't know if you intend this. this. Yeah. (laughs) No, I know. I know quite a bit about what you've done, but uh, it's how it's how I can engage with it because I think Mm. it is fascinating. But I don't. I don't want to go through. But these are just some of the the things in our short time we've got now that I'm absolutely adoring, and I've looked into a lot more Mm. than just flick 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 you know <laughs> but the themes of it you might it might be subconscious but the tibetan yeah. work was about how the, the indigenous people the nomads are best placed they're being cleared off the land to protect the landscape at the source of the the three rivers the yellow yangtze Mekong. Yeah. and so that was the communist party's idea take the people off the land to protect it whereas i was there showing that actually the, the local people are the best placed to protect it as wildlife yeah. wardens and things yeah so i came back seeing the value of like indigenous um like knowledge and experience to protect it and we usually think of indigenous as you know people in the rainforest and um, tribes and things but these are modern people with smartphones and motorbikes yeah. um and so that that was ring ringing my ears and, and um i was thinking a lot about that and then my friend said come to ethiopia like one of the fastest growing economies in the world and he was yeah. there with diffid um, and they were setting up factories and this huge industrial revolution in Ethiopia. And so I was thinking that'd be quite interesting, you know, made in Ethiopia. We don't think about it as a manufacturing economy. And then I thought, well, I was, I've just been in Tibet where the distant grasslands are bearing the costs of the industrial revolution downstream. So I thought in my morbid environmental way, where is the cost for Ethiopia in having an industrial revolution? Mm-hmm. Um, and so I was, I was looking into it a bit, but actually very quickly I discovered this story of hope, a rare yes. a glimmer of hope um, of these remnant forests that have been protected for centuries, and they all surround these circular church buildings, Orthodox Tewahedo churches. And so this is a theological landscape where these ideas of Eden had been protecting the forest and actually were more powerful than even the, the sort of uh, materialistic urges of the, the globalist uh, economy. They were managing to even uh, go against that tide. Yeah. So I thought that was a great story. And I wanted to, to sort of do the two angles on it. So you see the two, there's the aerial shots, which came in a second trip. Yes. Uh, and then the ground based. And again, I was I was drawing on Genesis because that's their text. Um, Genesis 1 and 2, you've got the aerial view of the, the God's eye view. Uh, mm-hmm. God up there making the world. And then you've oh. got on the ground in the cool of the day. So you've got these two different angles. So that was my the way I started off thinking, how do you document this? So you've got people on the ground living their lives, and then you've got the aerial kind of angel's eye or God's eye view. Um, 
and it's it's been a it's resonated with me in so many ways. I've loved the culture there, the people, um, and made some good friends. I just saw my the guy who helped me in the second trip. I just met him in London last week for right. the first time in, in since I was there, um, and it's it was just so nice. It just feels like a brother just to catch up and um, yeah. yeah, he helped. Like-minded people, people that you've shared time with. And obviously these places are wild. Yeah, (laughs) yeah. Yeah, well, it's funny because it feels, yeah, there was lots of states of emergency that stopped me going at different times. I bet, yeah. um, Including having twins at home. That was a state of emergency. Mm -hmm. But it was being out there, actually, I felt in some ways you're you're freer and more comfortable because uh, I've been, I've worked in uh, sub-Saharan Africa quite a lot. And so I feel quite at home there. And Ethiopia is very different, but the people are just wow. so friendly. And I just love the yeah. the, the culture and the, the connection with the land. Um, so, a lot, yeah, I'd love to be. There's a, it's a total mess just now with the, the sort of after the Civil War. But in Amhara, where these church forests are, there's a lot of fighting still um, with militias and things. So it's unfortunate I can't go back um, just now, but I'd like to. A war zone. Yeah. Yeah, so Tigray, um, there's a civil war there. You, it was during the pandemic, so all the other news kind of disappeared. But it, I, I was following it, and even the couple of guys who helped me, they were Tigrayan um, background, and so they're taken in for questioning just for being from that area. Um, and it was like this: the the northern state of Ethiopia trying to um, get more independence. And and yeah. um, I mean, there's more to it than that. I'm I'm generalizing quickly. Yeah, this. there's religion but, and all kinds of background and history. Between well, yeah, they, the thing is, they do share the religion, but that it, it was more this political. It was the the leader when it was under dictatorship. It was a certain people group um, yeah. who who had power then. But then they lost power when um, Abiy Ahmed came in, and so the, anyway, there's yeah. all these. So the, it was really quite serious and bloody and and horrendous and actually no one really batted an eyelid or posted on instagram or anything yeah um, whereas i was kind of keeping an eye on it because i'm i've got friends there and, and sort of keeping up with the conservation work because amazingly these forests have survived through centuries of conflict yeah. and bloodshed and yeah. uh, just normal everyday survival um so yeah it's it's yeah it's, it was it was nice to take a different story on that yeah, sure. when you hear about the things in Iraq and the what's gone on there and the decimation of ancient uh, yeah. history, I, I guess these kind of things are happening. E- even local, even here, when they were talking about <laughs> knocking down monuments and right and, and yeah. just the removal of history is, yeah. Yeah. I think, terrifying. Yeah, you know, it's what makes us who we are and remember where we've come from. Yeah, as a warring uh, iconoclasm. And what you've just talked about today puts things in perspective because there's been a big debate online about landscape photography of the year and how this and how that and how the other. Well, I've missed that. What what have they been discussing? What's the main? Well, there's been some admin issues and there's been quite a lot of problems. Uh, There's different people's perspectives. Some people have been left out of the book who have been winners. Some people haven't been notified they've won and... And and I, I have kind of a, a pra- I quite like the, that competition because I've got a lot of the books and mm. I do I do know quite a people who take part in that and and I've had a go myself but uh, I, I can't help but just keep thinking there's worse things going on 
<laughs> I know, yeah, yeah. It's a competition, yeah, and it, yeah, yeah. yeah, it's if you've got left out, it's not good. It's quite sad that what's happened, yeah. but it's getting a bit personal. And I think this is an admin problem. It's not. Yeah. It's not an individualistic problem. It's not a war. This. It's just. It's just a book and some photographers yeah. who enter a competition every year and yes it is proud and it does mean a lot to people but when you talk about ethiopia because you yeah. think about how people in this country think the majority of people think about african countries yeah. and yeah. they have this polarized vision of yeah. of what it is and and then like yourself you've been there i haven't been there but you see these factories set up you see these working places mm. with like ripped up roads where they're sending big wagons down they're moving electronics left right and center yeah, yeah. the the building new technology in the middle of ethiopia and it's like <laughs> there's yeah. so much going yeah. on in terms of growth in an industry yeah. And, yeah. and and across the world as well indonesia is another one I, uh, that springs to mind where industrial mm -hmm. revolution is happening on a massive scale yeah um, I, th I think it puts our little country into perspective yeah, exactly. Um, yeah. Even being in America recently, coming back and thinking, why does anyone live here? It's so dark and damp. And <laughs> I know that's atmospheric for pictures, but, yeah. uh, but I obviously love my country as well. But it's just that it's quite useful. I remember when I first traveled, I went interrailing as a student and I went to Europe and I just mainland Europe. And I just thought I was expecting it all to just be a bit crap. Because in Britain, you think, oh, we're British. It's the mid-90s. So yeah, everything, you know, it's like rip-pop and everything. Yeah, yeah. Like, we're the best. And then I went <laughs> there and I was like, hold on a minute. This, the trains are running on time. Yeah. Um, and then I looked back at Britain and it's all like mad cow disease and like um, all kinds of uh, craziness going on. And I, mm. actually, it was that moment I thought, okay, maybe my own country isn't the best. Maybe there's, there is other things to learn elsewhere in the world. Um, and then over the years, more and more just feeling that even america i think i, I can look down in america because we just think we're british we were there first you know and <laughs> then it's like hold on it's just an amazing place full of yeah. people who are so um dynamic and and uh and all we hear is the polarized politics we forget that actually day-to-day -day people are um getting on and trying to live good lives and and uh make good I, great I think community. europe and america and other the countries uh there's a lot more community maybe characters going out in in the streets and meeting people and and people are perhaps more flamboyant to what maybe maybe our eccentric behavior is 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 lost its way where i think we used to be quite flamboyant and just be mm. be who we are yeah. and and have personal identities and and when i do i've got quite into my street photography of late it's where i started and i've gone back to it and I've noticed that on the streets that there's less individualism. Oh, when you go to Ghent or Belgium and, and spend yeah. some time over there, there's wild mm. people everywhere. There's you know, <laughs> <laughs> and they want to talk as well. Yeah. Yeah. You know, that they're in they're interesting and they'll give you ten minutes of the time for tell you their life history or where they've been drinking or what they've been mm. doing, you know. Yeah, yeah. Maybe that's why they're talking. Mm. They've been drinking. Yeah. But yeah. <laughs> I'd, I'd say, I mean, you've got a, a fairly flamboyant identity and personality. When I met you, I thought this guy's this guy's an individual. <laughs> you're not like a. That's so. I, th I think people are out there, but I think yeah, you're right. Is I think the British um, 
generally in society, especially up north, we, we tend to not want to stand out. That's the yeah. nature of, of it. Whereas in the city centre, like London, I mean, there's per- when I was down there last week, there's so many personalities. Yeah. And that's why Neil McDermott, I love his work because he's yes. just... Yeah, Neil yeah. Um, just finds, and he, he probably gravitates towards people who are uh, yeah. dressed like that. But in London, you're tripping over folk who I, have that. Yeah. that um, um, well, I, I got an inv- I got an invite off Neil last night, so we're going down London between Christmas and New Year with my wee little camera. So I'm gonna have a good wander with him around London. I oh, can't really? wait. Oh, good, yeah, yeah. good. Oh, great. Yeah, yeah, but yeah. now you've mentioned Na- Neil as well. I, I hope I can get, I'll get him on the podcast and have a chat because uh, I am quite a fan of his work as well. So I'm glad you've mentioned him. Yeah, but we yeah, need to yeah. get back to Mr. Sony. Oh, we need to get back to yourself. Who Many awards here. Jeez, man. You, you, I, in terms I've got a ten-pin bowling trophy. Look at this. Hardfield oh, no. <laughs> versus Strathcoven. I won the trios. I keep that on my shelf. I'm an award-winning photographer. Uh, I, I think that trophy. should be your th- a <clears throat> thumbnail for everything you do. <laughs> I've also got another one I found here the other day that cracked. I was oh. I was actually thinking of just recycling it because I need some space in the office. But that was um, what's that for? First Scott Rail um press photography awards 2006 features oh. photographer of the year so actually i, I just wow. want to be proud of i was happy with that yeah don't um, melt that down yeah yeah no that's why i've kept it the base fell off so i'm gonna melt that but I'll, that that'll file away nicely yeah. so yeah but awards i've not entered any recently that's but... what i was gonna ask you how much does that mean to you you know is it yeah. something that you proactively do to keep in there because i'm fascinated by the fact that you have an agent and that the way things i think to a lot of photographers don't realize the amount of work that goes in to be at the level where you are Mm. especially exhibiting and to be able to create that space for yourself i Mm. find that fascinating Mm. Mm. yeah so i mean a lot of it even with the so i work with panos pictures in london yeah um, and then browns have just started with an inverness for prints um and so even with those guys, it's like there's, there's I mean, panels are great because they'll get your work into magazines and, and some commissions coming in as well. But they, I, they just, over the years, I've just tried to surround myself with people who give me the excuse to make oh. something. And yeah, often you'll, you'll do that on, you'll run on fumes. Like I've, I've worked for years and, and for many years um, earlier on, you're running on nothing basically you're just hand to mouth just keeping it going wow um to do your own stories but i've always thought that risk is worth it i I didn't see any point in doing this it feels like a calling in some ways to be a photographer and uh, to do stories that are overlooked or 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 needing told so even the bats i remember why i did that and it was because world press photo is I used to call it, I mean, this is recorded, so I probably shouldn't, but world depressed photo. Yeah, exactly. World depressed. Because it's often just the horrors of humanity. Yeah. Um, rightly. I mean, it's news. It's showing us um the things right. that we need to turn our attention to. Yeah. But I always just felt like I've got a role to show, like through the bats, the beauty and complexity and the order and the light we have in our world. Um, because that is the, I suppose, existential. Yes. Um, confounder it's like all this suffering and things and yet there's beauty even almost in the midst of that the darkness um, shows up that brightness and so my work I think I've just gravitated towards um, the light and the beauty um, in in these in these places but even then I mean even the 
the fabricated land work I've done recently, the weaving, um, dealt with issues of clearance and dispossession and loss and, and uh, you know, a, a culture and flux. So I still deal with reality, but I tend to come at it in a way that I hope gives um, gives a way to not feel utterly drained by the end. Yes. Um, that's, yeah. that's my approach. But you were saying about how, um, I digress there, but about how they have an agency or even awards, they, they tend to be me just motivating myself to enter, partly because I love doing portfolios, um, mm-hmm. partly because early on I discovered when I got the Young Dog for the Year yeah. and the World Press photo, it opens up worlds to you. But yeah. it opens doors, but you've still got to go through them and you've still got to um, do the work. So I remember World Press, I, I got there and there was like picture editors for National Geographic and like Geo magazine and The Continent, which is a huge magazine. We yeah. don't know it in Britain. Um, and all these other people. And I just was like, wow, my vision has suddenly been opened. Um, it's like leaving a small town and, and seeing what is possible. And yeah. so I think when I've entered awards, it's often just, it magnifies the story as well. So I think it's good for that. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's just nice to um, do it. But I thought, yeah, I'm not, when was the last time I did Sony World Awards? I don't think I've entered any recently. I've been focusing, I think, more and more on just trying to create good work and um, stay sane. <laughs> and seek the light in the dark. Seek the light, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, in the and November get, darkness. Just getting that balance and having that meaning, like to achieve through those things, give you so much more that you then have to walk through and work damn hard. Mm. That is key ethos of me, myself, and where I am at the moment. Right. I just keep thinking the more I do, that like you, you being here now, we're both knackered, but yeah. we're here, <laughs> we're here, and I, and and yeah. I feel that the, these yeah. conversations. Uh, are bringing something that possibly other interviews don't do because we're just having a chat and I want to know about yeah. you, not about me. I quite happily just sit and listen to you all day. We're coming to the end of our chat because I don't want to take too much time, but I, mm. I, I do, I do want to talk to you again because I think I think there's a lot we could talk about. I think we've only just touched on parts of it. You get into the idea of spirituality and light and and now the world is very much painted in such a way and but it is an absolutely incredible beautiful place mm. I, I went to Cairngorms for the first time about two months ago oh yeah and i traveled up to Aviemore and around the area and I, I'm not a clue and you said before about going somewhere i hadn't looked at books i hadn't looked at honey poplars i hadn't looked at anything and i just parked up i can't even remember the name of the the lock I was at, and I, I walked off down this track over a bridge. I can see the Cairngorms over in the distance. Yeah. This this lock has a beach, Loch Anilan, and he, that's it. Got a castle, yeah, Loch Anilan, yeah. I was I was I was to the east of that, and walked yeah. off, and walked and walked and walked into what I could only describe as what like a scene from Vietnam or. The, the trees were completely, the land was just savage. The, there was no trees, there, there was stumps and there was silver birch they'd left behind and, and just old Scots pines, one here, one here, one here, one here. And it looked shocking. And and I walked through this landscape thinking, I'm going to get to this other side where I could see the light on the mountains. Obviously, it must have been about 15 miles so. I didn't get to it, but what I did, what I did get to, which was quite a moment, was a hill, 
in between the Cairngorms and these other mountains with these decimated trees that I could only describe as a scene from the life of Brian, like uh, uh, the crucifixion. Yeah, right, just sticking up on yeah. it. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I've got a photograph, not edited it yet, but there was such beautiful light shining through these and 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 there was an overwhelming feeling of of what what I was standing in was quite decimated, but there must be a reason. And then I researched the rewilding and, and what's happening in these areas and yeah. how the growth. And, and I think we could talk about that forever. What, what are you, your feelings about what's happening in Scotland? Because there is big change, isn't there? Yeah. Yeah. And land use. I mean, we could talk about mm. trees. I mean, I, I, yeah, we've, there's so much we could say about all these things. Yeah. Um, and rewilding, yeah, that's a very, um, I mean, it's actually been going on in some places for a couple of decades, like Carriff yeah. and Wildwood down yeah. in the borders. Um, and for me, when I studied zoology in Aberdeen, like, I mean, even since high school, the whole red deer reforesting debate has been rattling around in my head. So it's very yeah. formative to me and how I think. Um, and so I think naturally I'm drawn towards a rewilded landscape. We just used to call it conservation, whereas rewilding is a more... Um, um involved process um which is is a, a trendy term as well yeah, to it is. yeah. um nowadays but I, th I think there's i mean there's lots you could see on it i think the tendency towards it is good people are thinking ecologically how to integrate these things i think they can be quite polarized between traditional land ownership the last mm -hmm. 200 years um and these modern ways of like or these modern conceptions of a healthy environment um although I, I do think the rewilders i know some of them who are just very good at trying to bring people together but there's there's still polarization but i think yeah. also that the tendency is now for corporates corporations to jump on the bandwagon so mm. um big businesses i mean that's the thing with scotland i i, I found this out i think around 2014 i did a, a few different series um on scotland just before the referendum on independence and one of the most shocking things for me was to read this book about land ownership in Scotland. You can understand Scottish history through, I think it's six or seven land grabs. Yes, the way it's divided. And by Andy Whiteman. And it was, I started looking on the website, we could search who owns it. And going up the A9 towards Aviemore, where you were, I was discovering that that Scottish hillside on the right, the Baron Moorland, mm -hmm. was owned by a company in the British Virgin Islands. The one on the left is owned by a company in Panama. Over there is a Texan company. And so you just see the landscape differently because in Scotland, you've got the right to roam, unlike in England. Yes. Um, so you can go anywhere. You can camp wherever you want, really. And it's that sense of freedom and ownership. And yet when you look into it, it's owned by these shell companies overseas. by, And they're often by British people who own them via these trusts to keep it off the, the tax. Um, and... So I, th I think it's interesting how even the rewilding has, has come into that. So like uh, Glenn Feshi is the flagship of rewilding. And in some ways, it's just doing, it was always a flagship of traditional sporting estates. Yes. And in a way, it's doing the same now. It's got a Laird who's got a lot of money who's doing these things, which are the kind of the kind of billionaire we like in rewilding um, to, to sort of <laughs> regenerate. And it's an amazing place. I've been there a few times. Yeah. Um, so in a sense, it's like that's good. But actually the... Is, is that the model for going forward of how to do these things? Mm. And you've also got community ownership as well. So I think it's a, it's a, 
it's hard to see. Is it good or bad? Because there's so many different. Um, well, the one th- the one thing that shocked me from all this it was Feshi actually where I was walking. Mm. That's where I was walking through where I saw this this thing, this right. moment. Uh, but the one thing that I, did shock me more than it, although I was completely blown away by the color because it was autumn time, yeah, incredible right. color. I've never seen anything like it. Mm. Was the lack of old growth and old trees. Uh, right. I huh. thought I was expecting in my ignorance of Scotland mm. to see a lot more old, big Growth. old trees. Yeah, yeah. And I was like, this stuff is not Where even. Where were you? Because Glenfesh has got some beautiful old granny pines, but they're quite far up the valley. So mm. you can if you where you park, there's that felled area, and then you walk across it and you get the further you go, the, the further the bigger and older it gets. And there's some beautiful old stands there. And then near Loch Anilin and Abernethy, like the RSPB Reserve, yeah. um, is a good place to... That's one of my favourite places in, in Britain, just the, the old... Should to you there. before I went, ah, I? Well, you can always come again, and I'm I sure am. you will. <laughs> you are. When are you next up? Soon. Uh, next, next October. Well, I'm going back in January, but I'm going up to Inverness yeah. in January. Good. Well, it's only an hour and a bit, like an hour and a half yeah. to like to, yeah. to Abernethy. So get on down there. Yeah. January, because yeah. it is, it's because it's evergreen. It's really good to go to in winter. And I, I love the Scots pine forest. They're like my favorite. Um, they're not my spirit animal, my spirit habitat. You know, I feel just so um, at peace among the, the massive granny pines mm-hmm. and just the, the, the color of the, the bark and, and the, the ecosystems around them. They're just, yeah, it's a great great part of the world yeah yeah it opened my eyes up it certainly did because it <laughs> i've not been anywhere so i'm talking <laughs> to a man here oh, really? you know, everywhere and i've not really no, it's been all, that's all you know, you must, I, you've been somewhere I've you've been in a plane been, have you been in a plane i've been in a few yeah, yeah i've not yeah where'd you go not not great i think me me, me most travels i did was when i was younger and i went over to like paris and Belgium and I mentioned Ghent and walking around those areas and right, right. Uh, but in terms of like I wasn't really a photographer then at all yeah. it's yeah. only say the past 10 years or so that yeah. I've switched on the looking if you like and seeing yeah, yeah. Uh, that comes along with it so there's uh, this is never too late I've got no yeah I mean there's, there's so much as you say in your own backyard or just slightly yeah. further like i find that in scotland even after being a, a professional and working for years i remember i got an assignment up to near where we met um it was a new york times travel piece and it went to dornach so just over from where i'm always up there now but and then yeah. it went over to the west coast and i think it's the narrowest part of the uk no one mentions this but between the dornach firth when it comes in yeah. over to the west coast you can do it in about an hour, well, an hour and a half. If you're local, probably less. But it's with the it's I think the narrowest part of Britain and the, the difference in habitat and mm. feel is quite amazing. So I'd never been there though, and I was how old was I at this point? Late twenties. Um yeah. and I'd never seen this part of my own country. And when I went there, I was blown away. So wow. I mean, and there's so much of England I want to explore as well. There's, there's yeah. just yeah, yeah, you don't have to jump in a plane unless you want sunshine. Very true. Which I do actually. Yeah. I do want some sunshine. <laughs> Don't say that too loud. So does my oh, wife. I'm not. Ember. Does she? Does she? <laughs> yeah. Oh, she does. Inverness yeah. is very sunny. <laughs> January, very sunny. 
<laughs> I'll be on my own for that one, no doubt. Okay, and okay. and that, that area you're talking about and heading over to the west is yeah. what I'm hoping to do because there's oh, a good. couple of places good. I wanna I wanna yeah. go and check out. Because I'm building the idea of doing workshops and mm. taking people on adventures and but, right. but photography adventures, not yes. always about going far away and far mm. afield, you know, because a lot of the workshops I do now are, are within a 30 mile radius, you know. Oh, just and yeah you just and it's you're giving people the excuse yeah. just to get out and be somewhere where, where they live on uh, the back from the back out yeah. the back door and off they go and there's so much they can do yeah. and see without and 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 revisit and revisit and revisit yeah. and, and yeah. learn the seasons and learn the places where mm-hmm. you, you live mm-hmm. is a special thing to have yeah, anyway I'm, I'm going on um we will i hope you will join me again in the future oh well, yeah thank you so Happily. much for your time well, thanks for inviting ex- me and so nice to meet you that time at the exhibition uh, was, we don't yeah. even talk about that but i know yeah but it was, the um, exhibition yeah, was nice to see you there yeah I, I had so much i was firing all cylinders you really inspired me i was getting all these ideas of 3d sculptures where you created these ribbons and Mm. And I, I was seeing, imagine that coming to life. Cause I think you mentioned it yourself, uh, even like computerized art, taking on board mm. the, the, the idea of these these woven uh, yeah. uh, environments becoming not just a two D plane, but three D. Or yeah. but there was so much to it as well because you, you you've took something that was modern drone photography mm-hmm. and then created this abstract world that was almost like a dream mm. we, we haven't talked so we should have talked about no we should <laughs> what are we doing Molly? this is what we're, i thought we're talking yeah yeah the, the, the weaves i know that uh, yeah let's let's chat about that some other time that'd be good yeah let's I get let's do part two the rematch yeah. yes yes well we're both knackered thank you so <laughs> much kieran thanks happy birthday to your daughter and oh, uh, yeah, yeah. Let's, let's speak soon let's speak soon Thank you so much to Kieran for the chat, for the time, and just his enthusiasm. Go to his website, kierandodds.com. Look at the series, portraits, commissions, his news about, and shop. Get a book. Support people. That's what I hope at times this podcast does, is that just a little bit of me talking about this and people and getting people to come and have a chat and spreading what I love with hopefully what you love and then support the artist. I really enjoyed that chat with Kieran. I am no officiado at his work. I have studied and looked at his work quite a lot. The exhibition was the huge point that inspired me in a huge, massive way. And that that we had to talk. I'm so glad he did take the time to talk to little old me. I'm certainly not Michael Parkinson. So, ladies and gentlemen, if you like what I do and you like this podcast and you've enjoyed the first Let's Talk with Kieran Dodds of 2024, please consider supporting the podcast. There are no adverts and there never will be on this place. This is just an indulgence, a love. I really, really enjoy making these podcasts and I've got some great guests coming up. Ah, some superb talks, chats and and making friends along the way. 
So please consider supporting me by heading over to Patreon or to my website at malleyphotography.co.uk. You can grab yourself my book and stapper or buy a print. There are varying prices and every thing I put into everything I do is pretty much funded by myself and any support is very welcome. The community on Patreon is growing and it's um, it's a huge help that. And it's not just about the support, it's about building serious commitments, relationships, communities, creativity together. We've got a chat next week. A group meetup on Zoom with everyone on Patreon is invited who supports me and I would like you to be a part of that too. As it's growing, come along now and join me and a few good friends sharing our work and enjoying this artistic endeavour together. Right, that's it. I think I'm going to leave it there till next week when I will be here again with my in-between episode. Well, there's only one thing left to say, and that's... See there!